Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. A few weeks ago, I asked the question, is Jesus the only way to God? Is Jesus the only way to God? Is Christianity the only true religion? Is there salvation in none other than Jesus or is there salvation in someone else? Now we know as Christians, we believe that Jesus is the only way to God because number one, he said he was. He said, no man comes to the Father except by me. Amen? Now, a lot of people in the world today say that Christianity is just one of many equal religions and that there are many ways to God. Have you heard that before? Oh yeah, it's a very common uh, idea in our culture. And, uh, and also a lot of people even within the church and a desire to be accepted by the culture and, desire, and a desire to be accepted by other people wanting to be you know, progressive and with it uh, have bought into this lie. Uh, they claim the church has too many rules. It's too dogmatic. It's too exclusive. They, should, they say we should live and let live. Be tolerant of other people's religious views. Well, I looked up the word tolerate. And the word tolerate means to recognize and respect others' beliefs, practices, etc. without sharing them. It also means to bear or to put up with someone or something not especially liked. Now, that's what Webster says tolerate, the word tolerate means. I'll say it again, to recognize and respect other people's beliefs and practices without sharing them and to bear or to put up with someone or something not especially liked. I told this a few weeks ago, growing up, we had neighbors on on both sides of us, several houses down, and uh, this was back in the, in the 50s and early 60s when I was growing up as a child. And none of the people beside us on either side or across the street from us, several houses over, and that's about all the people we knew really well, you know, in our block. None of them were practicing Christians. Uh, and, and, and we doubt that, that uh, there were more than one or two of them that were Christians at all. But they weren't practicing Christians and they lived lifestyles that we didn't approve of. But, you know, we fellowshiped with them. All of the kids played together. We, I went over to their house, you know, and, and played inside at their house. And they came to my house and played inside. And, and we hung out. And we spent the night at their house. And they spent the night at my house. We had little, what would today be called a block party. We didn't call it a block party then. But several of the, you know, of the, of the families living close to by, we'd have a cookout in the backyard, you know, and everybody would come over. We got along. We tolerated one another. Even though we didn't agree with their lifestyle, we still related to them. We were friends with them. We didn't try to impose ourselves on them. We didn't try, we weren't separatists, you know, try to live separate, you know, and not talk to anybody. We participated in the community. That's, that's tolerance. But today, a new definition of tolerance is systematically being foisted upon uh, the minds of all people. This new definition of tolerance is that every individual's beliefs, lifestyles, and perception of truth claims are equal. That's what new, the new definition of tolerance is. 
It's not in the dictionary. It's not the actual definition, but this is what is trying to be forced upon us. In other words, your beliefs and my beliefs are equal and all truth is inclusive. Well, uh, that's not what the word tolerate means. Amen. You know, if to, the word tolerate, just the, just the essential meaning of that word tells you that there's something that you don't agree with. I mean, if somebody said, oh, I tell you what, we have such a blessed marriage, my wife and I, we tolerate each other really well. <laughs> you go, what? <laughs> that doesn't sound very harmonious, does it? No, the word tolerate indicates there are differences that you've chosen to put up with. Isn't that right? Now, uh, this, this misconception assumes that all truth is inclusive, that it gathers under it, its wings all claims that oppose each other. The fact is, however, truth is exclusive, at least to some degree, for it must exclude as false that which isn't true. Isn't that easy? To, isn't that, doesn't that make sense? I use this example. I'll use a different one. I use the example of Washington, D.C., but let's say, let's say the state of Florida. Tallahassee is the capital city of the state of Florida. Does, is there anybody in here that disputes that? How many of you would agree? How many of you know that Tallahassee is the capital of Florida? Now, look at that. Even Gator fans raise their hands. <laughs> so you know that has to be a fact. Isn't that right? Well, if Tallahassee is the, is the capital city of, of, of Florida, then no other city can be the capital city of Florida. No other city in the world, no other city in the universe, if there are other cities, cannot be the capital of Florida because Tallahassee is the capital of Florida. Now, people have correct ideas and some people have incorrect ideas it's not a matter of, of tolerance. It's a matter of what's true and what's not true. Did you know there are people, <clears throat> there are some people who believe that parts of Texas and Arizona and New Mexico and California still belong to Mexico. There are people that believe that. Well, just because they believe it doesn't make it so. The fact is all of Texas all of New Mexico, all of Arizona, all of California, all of it belongs to the United States. And so it's not a matter of, of being tolerant or intolerant. It's a matter of, of just what is true. I mean, there are people who claim that, Christ, that, that like we do, that Christianity is the one true religion and that Christ is the only way to God. There are other people that believe, you know, that, uh, that Islam is the right way, the only way. And Muhammad's the only way to God. Well, somebody has to be right and somebody has to be wrong. Again, it's not a matter of being tolerant. Uh, if they're right, then there really is no other way to God except through their God. But if we're right, there's no way to God except through our God. Amen. It's a question of what is the truth. Amen. Well, is Jesus the only way to God? Well, I pointed this out a few weeks ago. Well, number one, he said he was. Let me just read some passages to you. He is con Jesus said this. He is condemned who does not believe in my name. 
He also said, if you do not believe, talking about believing in him, you will die in your sins. Jesus claimed to be God. He said, before Abraham was, I am. You know, we sing the song, The Great I Am. That's a, that's a direct reference to the Old Testament when God sent Moses to appear before Pharaoh to uh, lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And, and Moses said, well, who, who should I say sent me? I mean, what, give me some, give me some uh, authorization here. Give me some backing. And God said, you tell him, I am that I am sent you. And, and the term and, and the designation I am simply means I am the all eternal, eternally existing one, the only one. And that was his name. Well, when Jesus told the Jews of his day before Abraham was, I am, they understood exactly what he meant by that. He said, I saw Abraham's day. They said, you're not old enough. Abraham's dead and all the other uh, patriarchs are dead and all the prophets are dead. How do you say that you saw Abraham's day? He said, before Abraham was, I am. So Jesus claimed to be God. He said he was God. Uh, he said, I and my father are one, making himself equal with God. Not only that, Jesus accepted worship, which would have been a blasphemous uh, thing to do if he wasn't God. He allowed people to worship him. And like I said earlier, he said, no one comes to the Father except through me. Well, that's a pretty direct claim. Isn't that right? Uh, so Jesus said he was. That's the first uh, answer. Is Jesus the only way to God? Well, he said he was. Number two, the scriptures say he is. Not just what he said, but, but the bulk of scriptures. The Bible itself teaches that he is the only way to God. Now, when you start talking about the scriptures, people who are not convinced oftentimes will raise this uh, objection. They'll say, well, we can't really trust the scriptures because, you know, the Bible is not really accurate and it was written by a lot of different people and, and there's all these inconsistencies and these contradictions in the Bible and, and we don't really know where it came from and so we don't want to, uh, we, we don't take the Bible as evidence. There has to be something else. Well, you know, I, I looked this up not long ago, did a little study on it, and it's interesting that, that people will try to discredit the uh, uh, veracity of the Bible or even the, the uh, uh, how do you say it, historicity? Is that, is that how you say that, historicity? I think that's the word. It, it, is, is the Bible a historical fact? I mean, is it a, a historical document that can be believed in? And so I looked up, you know, some of the other documents that uh, form the basis of Western civilization. All of the great uh, uh, writings and so forth from antiquity. How did we get them? Where, what do we know of? For instance, what do we know about Homer? You know, he wrote the, the uh, poem, The Iliad. What do we know about him? No one disputes that a person named Homer lived around 400 B.C. and uh, he wrote, uh, you know, this or 800 B.C. I think it was 800 B.C. and he wrote this poem. No one disputes that. The interesting thing is that we, now when we talk about these documents and these writings of antiquity, understand that we don't have the originals of any of them. We don't have the original copy of the Iliad. We don't have the original copies of, you know, Plato's writing and all that stuff. You know, we don't have that. We don't have the original documents of the Bible. All we have 
are manuscripts which are copies, extant uh, uh, remnants of, of what was written, what was copied. And back then, things were copied by hand, word for word, one sheet after another, just copied one, one word at a time, one letter at a time. And so we have, we have copies of these things. And it's interesting that uh, I printed out this little chart here that uh, uh, the Iliad was written in, in 800 B.C. Now, now, stay with me here. The earliest copy we have, which would be the oldest document, the earliest copy we have was dated 400 B.C. So there's a 400-year span between when the Iliad was allegedly written and our earliest or oldest copy of it. That's 400 years. Now, there are approximately 650 known copies of the Iliad. And the first complete copy, in other words, these other, most of these copies are portions and fragments and things, but the first complete preserved text of Homer's Iliad dates from the 13th century. So how many years is that? 800 B.C., so that's, huh? Over 2,000 years. Span between the time that it was written and, and the oldest complete copy. Let's move on down. There's a bunch of uh, things here, and I don't even know all these writers, but it uh, has to do with, with Roman history and Greek history. Plato. Plato wrote his uh, book, the Repu- or his, his series of books called The Republic, uh, in 400 B.C. Now, the earliest copies, the very earliest copies, fragments of any kind, date from 900 A.D., That's 1,300 years. 1,300 years from the date of Plato's writings to the the earliest copy we have that's that's extant, still available. How many copies do you think there were? Seven or are. There are seven copies. Seven, not 700, seven. Seven copies of Plato's. Now, no one doubts that Plato lived. Plato allegedly was a student of Socrates. You know, he was a, uh, 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 he mentored himself, uh, uh, Aristotle. And, and so Plato established, you know, the, the uh, school of, of, uh, of thought and physics. He's considered the father of modern uh, uh, philosophy. He's the father of science and mathematics. Mathematics. He was considered the most brilliant man and the most brilliant thinker that's ever lived. No one in academia disputes that. No one. That's just, that's just a given. Seven copies of his work. The earliest one, 1,300 years after he wrote it. Uh, there are other histories of Rome. Julius Caesar wrote about you know, the uh, Gallic Wars and there was a thousand years between the time that he wrote them and the earliest copies, uh, different ones. But you come down to the New Testament. The New Testament, the earliest documents were written by Paul in the early 50s through the 60s. The other writings of the New Testament span right on up until the end of the first century, like AD 98 was when uh, uh, the last of John's writings were written. So you could say the year 100. So from 50 to 100. Fragments were found 
of, the, of some of the early New Testament documents in the year A.D. 114. That's 14 years after John wrote his final documents. Now, those fragments, fragments wasn't from John. It was from earlier. But let's just say it was 60 years, okay? 60 years. The others, 400 years, 1,300 years, 1,000 years. So there was almost no time between the time they were, the original document was written, which we don't have, and the earliest copies go all the way back. I mean, they're within 50 years or 60 years of the original writings. So those were the fragments. Uh, in the year 200, uh, within 100 years, so the year 200, entire books of the New Testament in their entirety, we have them in, we have the manuscripts. By the year 250, Almost the entire New Testament, we have complete manuscripts that date from the year 250 A.D. Now, you compare that to, to these others that we mentioned, how, how far the span is. The, the complete New Testament in its entirety, like we have it today, the earliest manuscript we have of the entire thing dates from the year 325. Now, if you compare that with the time span between when these secular documents were written and when the earliest manuscripts are found, it's not even comparable. Would you like to venture to guess how many manuscripts, just Greek manuscripts, not counting Latin or anything else, would you like to guess how many Greek manuscripts we have of the New Testament? Remember we had uh, seven, uh, under seven, 650 of the Iliad, uh, seven of Plato's writings, we have 5,366 manuscripts just in the Greek alone. Now, when you add the Latin Vulgate and Syriatic and some of the other manuscripts that also go back to antiquity, almost 29,000. Now, if someone is going to be an honest critic... And they're going to say, well, you know, we, we really can't put our faith in the Bible and the New Testament because we really don't know, you know, man wrote it and it has all these fragments and, and, and there are all these inconsistencies. Listen, of all, you know, you hear me very often talk when I preach, I talk about, well, one version uses this word, another version uses another word. I'm talking about the different manuscripts that our New Testament, modern New Testament translation is based on, they're all minor, simple word or a few word differences. And they're the, they're the result of someone just copying word for word, you know, over the centuries. And 29,000 copies copied by hand, there's probably gonna be an error every now and then. But did you know that there's not one doctrine not one doctrine of the New or older New Testament, not one doctrine that is affected by any of those changes. None of these small changes, the biggest one I can think of was over in the 16th chapter of Mark's gospel where they left out a lot about you know, the, the uh, signs and wonders, but it's covered everywhere else. So not one doctrine is affected by these small changes. So when people say, well, we really can't trust the Bible, we really don't know if Jesus lived. We really don't know if, you know, what they say about him. Did he really, did people really believe he was raised from the dead? Well, the Bible, which is attested by all of these thousands of manuscripts, 
claim that it happened. And if you're going to discount that, you have to go back and use the same rule in, in applying are all the other truths of Western civilization that we believe. Our whole society is based on. You have, you have to discard our whole Western background. The next time now, I, wouldn't, I don't really in, in, uh, advise a student in high school to do this because you're supposed to respect your teachers. And I don't, and I don't encourage college students to do this if you want to pass your class. But the next time your professor starts saying, you know, well, you know, the Bible is not true and gives all of this criticism of, just, you know, just you might think about at least asking them, well, well what do you think about Plato? You believe he exists? Oh, yes, absolutely. Well, what, what about Socrates? Oh, yeah, how, how do you know Socrates lived? Do you know there's really almost no, nothing preserved of Socrates that he wrote? Almost everything we know about him, we know from Plato. Plato was his student and he talks about him. That's about all we know about him. What if he made him up? <laughs> it's only a few thousand times more likely than he did that he made it up than that the writers of the New Testament made up what they wrote. It's just a few thousand times more likely, that's all. So, so the Bible has, it, the Bible is the most completely and totally verified document in all of human history. And the Old Testament is the same way. In fact, the Old and New Testament taken together, if you overlay them over against other sources of human history, the Bible becomes as it was a roadmap and sort of helps weave everything together and brings everything together and validates everything. Everything validates its, it one another. The history validates the Bible. The Bible validates history. And the Bible is the, is the only complete roadmap to all of human history. So the idea that you can't trust the Bible is absurd. And, and anybody who claims that they believe the other uh, uh, history of the world and don't believe the Bible, they're just biased. There's no other explanation for it. It's blind bias. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. The scriptures that we know are true say that he is God. He's the only way to God. Salvation and no other, no other name, Acts 4. Christ overall, the eternally blessed God, Romans 9, 10. Christ being by very nature God, Philippians 2, 5 through 11. All things were created by, for, and through him, Colossians 1. In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, Colossians 2, 9. The blessed hope and appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, Titus 2, 13. Well, glory to God. Jesus said he was God. He said he was the only way to the Father. The Bible makes, everywhere else makes the same claim about him. But then today, most importantly, what about the resurrection? What does the resurrection say? You see, if either the resurrection is true or it's the most Wicked, vicious, uh, heartless hoax ever foisted upon mankind. If it's not true, it's the worst hoax, hoax, hoax of all of history. Jesus himself said he would rise from the dead. 
Now, nobody, he, you would have to be a raging lunatic to claim, if it wasn't true, to claim, I'm going to die, I'm going to stay in the ground three days, I'm going to be dead three days, and after three days, I'm coming back. You would have to be completely out of your mind to say that. Not If you had any idea or any hope that anybody was going to believe you after those three days. Isn't that right? But he repeat every time people ask Jesus for a sign of, you know, of something of his authority, he, the only sign he ever gave was just as uh, uh, Jonah was in, the, uh, was in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights, even so the Son of Man will be in the earth three days and three nights. But he said, I'm coming back. He told his disciples, I'm coming back. He told the Jews, he said, you destroy this temple in three days, I'm raising it up. So Jesus he either was crazy or he had to have believed what he said and even if he believed it and it wasn't true, he's crazy. Isn't that right? But you know what happened on the third day? He arose from the dead. Since he said he would rise from the dead, and he did, in fact, rise from the dead, then apparently everything else he said was true. Amen. Isn't that right? Amen. You know, all of the religions of the world, or, or most of the religions of the world, respect Jesus Christ. You take, you take Islam. The, 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 the Muslim religion, Islam religion, they believe that Jesus was a prophet and a holy man. They do not believe he was the son of God. They do not believe he was raised from the dead. But they believe he was a holy man and a, and a true prophet. In fact, all the world acknowledges all of the writings of Jesus. In other words, all of his sayings, everything he taught, the things that he uh, emulated and, and, and taught people by precept and example, the way he lived his life. Oh, the whole world acknowledges that it's perfect. Totally perfect. There's not a better example uh, of the highest uh, uh, aspirations of man than what Jesus, how he lived and how he walked. Well, you know, a, a, a liar cannot pull that off. Someone that would make up something like this, there would be a fatal flaw somewhere. Somewhere in his conduct, somewhere in his behavior, something he said, something he did, something would show he's not who he says he is. So again, it's impossible for anyone to have lived the life that he lived to exemplify the, the, the high ideals that he exemplified and the things that he taught. It's impossible for someone to pull that off unless they are truly who they say they are. You couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Neither could anyone else. I pointed this out a few weeks ago. All but four major world religions are based on philosophies. You know, philosophies and ideas. All but four. The four, of course, are Judaism, Buddhism, Islam, and Christianity. These are the four that are built upon personalities. Four religions built on personalities. Judaism is built on Abraham. Well, he died in 1900 B.C. Buddha, Buddhism was, was, is, of course, built on Buddha. He's dead. 
Islam is built on the prophet Muhammad. He's dead. He's buried in Medina. Is that, is that where he's buried? Is that right? Yeah. He, he, he buried, he, I mean, he died in the, in the 7th century AD, I think, and uh, all of his followers go to his grave, you know, visit him. Jesus is the only one, Christianity is the only religion that has an empty tomb. The only, the only one. You know what? It's impossible to have real salvation with a dead Savior. <laughs> Ever think about that? Completely po- impossible to have true salvation if your Savior himself is dead. But praise God, Jesus was raised from the dead. He arose by his own power. Now we know the Bible also teaches that the Father raised him, but you understand that the Father and the Son and the Spirit are all co-equal in creation. It says everything that was, con- that was uh, created in the world was created by all of them. And so Jesus, I, I, I quoted this earlier, he said, I have the power to lay down my life and I have the power to take it up again. His resurrection was the seal of God to the truth concerning who he is. Amen. Glory to God. You know, people say, well, the disciples made it up. That's what the, that's what the, uh, the Jews of the... Uh, of, of that time said they, they spread this rumor that his disciples came you know and stole his body away from the tomb well the only problem is there were soldiers around that tomb and there was a huge stone rolled up, uh, upon the tomb and it would have been impossible to get past the stone and it would have been impossible to get past the, the soldiers I mean the, 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 the governor put his seal his signet seal on that, on, that, on that stone. And if you know anything about Roman history, you know if you break that seal, you're dead. You, there's, there's, no, there's no discussion. There's no trial. There's no anything. You're just, you're dead. You don't break the seal of the government, the Roman government. So you know those, those uh, soldiers, they're guarding that tomb And they're not going to allow anything to happen because the rumor had already existed that his disciples would come and steal his body. That's why the seal was put there. Because the Jews told Herod, he said, you know, you need to put the seal here because they say, you know, he's going to come back from the dead and we're afraid his disciples will come get the body. So that's why they did it. So it would have been impossible for for the disciples to have gotten past the soldiers. Uh, Besides that, if you read the Bible, which is true, it's verified, it's not, the Bible, listen, get over it. The Bible is not in dispute. No rational mind can dispute the Bible. Anyone that wants to dispute the Bible, they just have a bias because you have to dispute history. And, and so the Bible says that the disciples were completely crushed after Jesus' crucifixion. They saw him die. All of their hopes and dreams crushed, perished, as far as they were concerned. They didn't understand what he said about being raised from the dead. They didn't comprehend. Uh, only, only the resurrection of Christ could have changed that. It's the only thing that could have taken the disciples from the despair they were in to the joy that we see them after he was raised from the dead. It's the only thing. Now, did they make the story up? Well, uh, why build a lie 
that has no power to change you or the world or anybody else. Why? I mean, why, why come up with a lie like that? What would be the point of it? It have no power. And, and you see the truth of the resurrection changing people's lives just like it changed your life. The power of the resurrection changed your whole life. Lies aren't capable of that. Why would the, why would the disciples try to come up with a lie? Why, why suffer persecution for something they know is a lie? They immediately suffered persecution. They suffered persecution all of their lives. And eventually they gave their lives. For what? A story? A lie? Some kind of, what were they going to profit from it? Nothing. They had to give their life for it. Besides that, all of them would have had to agree to it. It's hard to get one row of people right here to agree almost on anything. <laughs> Let alone something that's going to cost you your life. They would all had to have agreed to it. Not only that, five, over, over 500 brethren, not counting the women and children, over 500 brethren saw him alive at one time. What do those people have to, have to gain by perpetuating this? And, and they maintained their testimony throughout their lives because Paul said, he said, and some, this was in, you know, after in, in 1 Corinthians, he said, and some of them are alive today. Some of them have, have gone on to heaven. So those 500 people plus people, they maintained their story throughout their lives and died saying, I saw him. Well, praise the Lord. How, what in the world would convert Saul of Tarsus? What could possibly convert Saul of Tarsus? Who hated the church. Did everything he could to waste it, to destroy it, to take people prisoner, to beat them, to kill them, to put them in chains for simply calling on that name. That raises another question. Why such opposition if it was a lie? You know, all the, all the Jews would have to have done would be present a body. All they, they, all they would have to do is find somebody that looked sort of like him. Beat him up real good because Jesus' body was marred, you know, beyond comprehension. All they had to do was come up with a, just find somebody, somebody alive and just kill them. Put them through all the things that Jesus went through. Nail them to a cross. Take them down. Put them in the ground three days and then drag them out. And say, this is Jesus. Did you ever notice the Jews never produced a body? Never did. Because the truth was out. The truth was out and it couldn't be denied and Jesus was walking around appearing to people. They saw him, glory to God. And, and the, but you could say, well, they were all lying. Why did people, why didn't the Jews produce a body? Why, why didn't they just say, well, they're just lying. We have a body. You know, you could, you could get 500,000 people together, I guess, and get them to agree to that. Why, why wouldn't you refute this? Their lives showed something had happened to them. There was a change in their lives that could not be denied. 
They were one way before Jesus was raised from the dead and they were totally different after that. It changed everything about them and that's what could not be denied. It still can't be denied. I look at this man right here, heard his testimony not long ago. He gave us a little snippet of his testimony. That's proof positive that Jesus is, this man right here is proof that Jesus was raised from the dead. Not only that, so is she, so is she, so is he, so is she, so is he. All of us are living proof that Jesus was raised from the dead. Glory to God. We're all living testimonies. Pastor Angela, I think it was, I think it was you on Wednesday night. I think she pointed out the fact, was it Wednesday night you talked about people's testimonies? Yeah. Your testimony is the most powerful witness for Christ there is. Now, we have the Bible, and we know it's true, but people, in, people who are biased, listen, they cannot be rational, like I said, and discount the Bible. It's totally irrational. But if people choose to not believe the Bible anyway, there's one thing they cannot deny, and that's your testimony. I mean, unless you made it up. They can't deny you, you can talk to somebody, you can say, listen, all I know is this is how I was and I put my faith in Christ and this is what's happened to me. This is what Jesus has done for me. This is what he means in my life. I don't care who they are. They don't have to believe it, but they cannot deny it. They cannot look at you, you, you and say, that didn't happen to you. How would they know? You're the only one that can testify to it. And it cannot be denied. Your testimony is the most powerful witness for Christ there is. Never draw back from giving your testimony to people. Hallelujah. Because you are the living proof he's alive. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, in closing, uh, the Bible says that all, do you know everybody will be raised again? Not just Christians. All will be raised. Some will be raised to everlasting life. Some will be raised to judgment and damnation. The Bible teaches that. Every person in this room today, you've heard the truth and you're accountable for the truth. And given the the indisputable evidence. You have to make a choice. Every one of you has to do something where Jesus is concerned. You have to. Because history, the Bible, Jesus, and all of us prove that he is God. And listen, if God came here and became a man... If God, if God, if you believe, if you don't believe in God, you, you know, then you're just hopeless. Yeah. Amen. But if you believe in God and God came here and became a man and submitted to the cross and allowed the sins of the world to be put on him and suffered what he did and then was raised from the dead, you, you're going to have to do something with that. You cannot walk out of here and ignore that. 
You can't. You can't just slough it off and say, well, it's just, I'm just not interested. That's not a rational response. It's not rational. It's not even reasonable. You have to do something. You have to make a decision. Either Jesus is who he said he is. Either he is alive today and he is the only way to God or else nothing is true in the whole world. There is no truth. That's, that's, that's really the, 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 the blunt truth about the matter. You got to deal with it. Amen. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory, 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 glory. This is better than my Easter message, I think. <laughs> Hallelujah. I worked so hard on that thing. Hallelujah. I had quotes from other people. <laughs> you remember that story, Brother Higgins? I had quotes. I had, I had it really good. But the truth is, he's alive. Hallelujah. I can attest to that. Hallelujah. Every head bowed. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.